book of Luke chapter number 19. Amen. I, I know, uh, again, uh, sensitive to the fact that uh, there is some uh, bad weather coming in. Uh, we want you to get home and be safe ahead of time. But thank you for your desire to be in God's house. Amen. Thank you for uh, the desire that rain, the thunder, the lightning can't keep you out of God's house. And uh, we appreciate it from the bottom of our heart. May God bless you. And, uh, but we do want to be conscious of time tonight. Luke chapter number 19. Uh, yesterday morning I was going through doing something that I've never done before. Um, I've read the Bible through and followed different Bible plans. But this year I wanted to do something a little bit different. So I started a, a chronological Bible plan that goes through from the time that the, the, the books were written and puts it in chronological order. And uh, after the book of Genesis, it goes to the book of Job, and because uh, Job was about at the, the same time as, as Abraham, and it, it goes through the Bible that way. And so, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, those verses that correspond with each other in the different books, it's there at the same plan. So it's it's not it just puts it all together and uh, puts puts pieces together at the same time frame. And anyway. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, reading it, just reading it through in a different order. But uh, yesterday morning, as I, I read through a, a, just a, a text in the book of Joshua, which is where the uh, reading was, something jumped out at me in that text, and God just began talking to me as I was meditating on those scriptures all day long. And uh, Brother Eddie called me last night and said, Hey, I've got to wake. I need you to be preaching. I need you to get something ready. I said, Oh, it's already almost ready. I just got to put it on paper. Amen. I don't know how it'll preach. Amen. But if I can, if you can feel the way I feel in my heart and my spirit. Amen. I believe God uh, wants to talk to us tonight. Luke chapter number 19, verse number 37. We're going to read through verse number 40. And this will be the last time we look at these scriptures. We're going to jump around. Uh, but the Bible reads as this. This is talking of the triumphal entry. And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, notice they couldn't call him Lord, said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. No man can call him Lord, but by the Holy Ghost is what the Word of God says. But verse number 40 said, And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that these, if these, should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus said if the stones would, or if, if these people would hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. I want to preach. If the Lord will help us on this thought just for a few moments tonight on when rocks speak. When rocks speak, if you will, stretch forth your hand this way. Ask God to help us and anoint us. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your spirit that we've been made to feel. We pray that you would add your blessing to the reading of the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me, God, to deliver it as you have delivered your word unto me tonight. And God, I pray that, that you would speak to hearts and lives. God, speak to the heart I can't. Uh, speak to reach the soul I can't reach. Do a work that only you can do. God, those that are watching by way of live stream, I pray that your spirit would 
fall upon them in their living room, in their bedroom, God, at work, wherever they may be. I pray, oh God, that you would meet them right where they are. Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray it. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. We see in our text, in verse number 40, he said that the stones would immediately cry out if these people would hold their worship. Now, I don't know if physically that rocks would be able to speak. I have never met a rock in my life that was able to carry on a conversation with a man. I've never uh, had a conversation with a rock. I've been mad. I've kicked some. I've thrown some, but they didn't holler ouch, and uh, they didn't uh, kick me back. We know that rocks are inanimate. They can't talk. They they, they have no language. But make no mistake about it, rocks can tell a story. I mean, I, I've got a rock in my house. I'm not a rock collector. I'm, I know people that, that do and have all different types of, of rocks. But uh, just along the way in life, I picked up a couple. And uh, when I was in Hawaii, I stopped by uh, Mount Kilauea, the, the volcano that's there on the, the big island of Hawaii. And you weren't supposed to grab rocks. I guess I'm telling on myself. Maybe the statutes of limitations are up if a park ranger from Hawaii is watching tonight. But uh, I, I saw a rock that was there, a lava rock, and I picked it up and I, I brought it home to, to Harper and I gave it to her and the Lord only knows where it is now. But that rock tells a story. I can tell you the sights and the sounds of what I was doing when I saw that rock. And I picked it up. I've got a rock that I picked up outside of uh, the, the village of Isiolo in Kenya. One of the most barren, beautiful places that you'll visit. Just uh, uh, out in the middle of that desert land, I, I picked up that rock, a, a porous rock, and uh, just put it in my pocket and really forgot about it till I got back to the hotel, threw it in my suitcase, and I still have it. I can look at that rock, and all of a sudden... Uh, I, I can begin to, to see that place where I was the day when I picked it up. I'm, I'm, I begin to recollect and rethink the thoughts, the sights, the sound, the smells, the, the people, the Spirit of God that I felt. Uh, when I look at that rock, it, uh, uh, emotions begin to, to rage and there's a connection with that rock. That rock cannot talk. Uh, it has no language. Uh, but that rock speaks, uh, amen, of the place where I was uh, when I picked it up. Uh, so make no mistakes about it. Rocks cannot talk, uh, but they can speak to us a lot. Uh, there were some rocks in scriptures um, that spoke out. Uh, there were some rocks that I want us to look at. There's about five or six different places, and I'm going to try to run through these uh, very quickly. But yesterday I was reading the Word of God in Joshua chapter number 24. And I was reading the, the very familiar passage of Scripture when Joshua was on the tail end of his life. He has been the, the leader over the Israelite people. He has led them across the Jordan into the conquest of the promised land. And it's in Joshua chapter 24 verse 15 that he told the children of Israel, you got a choice to make. He said, choose you this day whom you are going to serve. 
whether it be the gods before the flood, whether it be pagan gods, whether it be Baal, if you want to worship a false deity, go after them, follow them after your whole heart. But make the choice today. Choose who you're going to serve. And you're going to make the choice and you're going to have to suffer the consequences. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. All the people responded unanimously. Amen. We know Jehovah to be the true God. And we're going to follow after Him. We're going to serve Him with our whole heart. And in verse number 26 of Joshua 24, He wrote the words in the book of the law of God. And He took a great stone and set it there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. In verse 27, And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone, shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall therefore be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. Now we know that rocks don't have ears. And we know that rocks don't have mouths. But Joshua said, this uh, rock is going to be a landmark. It is going to be a reminder of the vow and the oath that you made toward God. This is going to be a reminder to you that this day, on this day, whatever it may have been, that you chose Jehovah, that you chose the Lord. And that rock, though it never opened its mouth to say a word, it spoke volumes to the children of Israel. I believe there might have been times, Brother Meeks, where some of them, after Joshua died, and maybe in the days that began to go by, that there might have been thoughts, you know, maybe it was better back in Egypt than it is now. Maybe uh, there, there may be something to these Canaanite gods uh, that they're worshiping. Maybe there's something to Baal. Uh, maybe there's something to uh, uh, these other religions. Or uh, maybe it began to be uh, easier not to sacrifice uh, and to not go through the, the, the motions that they knew to be true. Uh, and maybe they thought uh, uh, about backsliding. Uh, but when they would walk by that tree, Brother Daniel, and they would look at that rock, they would remember the oath that they made to God. And that rock would talk to them. That rock would remind them, amen, of the promise that they made God. Amen. This rock was a landmark that reminded them, amen, of their oath to God. Listen, there should be such landmarks in our life that we have. Amen. Yes, there's times where it may be easier, amen, to, to, to stay at home and the lazy boy and watch the NFL than it is to get up and to get dressed and to come to church. Amen. But when we think back to those old landmarks and we think back to the place we were when God saved us and God washed us and when God cleansed us, amen, it's no problem for me to get up and to come into the house of God and to worship Him. Why? Because I'm reminded of the landmark. There's a rock, Brother Meeks, that's talking to me. Hallelujah. There's a rock that I can look to and remember, amen, on the goodness of God. The times where I've been sick in my body, and God has healed me. The times where anxiety has wrecked my mind. Amen. But God stepped in and gave me perfect peace. Amen. Where when bills came in and I had no means to pay them. Amen. But God provided a ram in the bush. Amen. And the bill was met. Amen. The time, I'll never forget it, when I was out of money. Amen. In the hole, a big amount. Amen. Back 
several, several years ago, huh? amen, and no food in the pantry. Didn't know how I was going to uh, going to make it, uh, but you can look at me and tell uh, I didn't miss too many meals. Uh, amen, that's a rock uh, that speaks to me, uh, that propels me on this journey to keep on living for God, uh, to not backslide, uh, to not throw in the towel and quit, uh, but there's a rock, uh, a landmark uh, that reminds me of the covenant uh, I made with God, uh, and that rock talks uh, and tells me to keep moving on. The night I was born again, I remember going down to the altar. I've shared bits and pieces of my testimony many times. But I made a vow to God that night. And I said, God, if you'll forgive me, I'm going to live for you or I'm going to die trying I've played church many times before. I've made professions of faith more times than I could count. Those professions were weak and had no power. But I can tell you that night when I got born again, something changed. There's been a lot of times since then that I've had hard times. And early on, I can tell you now, I don't give thought a second of thought about turning back or backsliding. But I can tell you early on when the devil was tempting me, especially in those first couple of months, you just need to quit. It would be easier for you to go back. You're the laughing stock. You're the black sheep. You're making a fool of yourself. Brother Daniel, that vow was a landmark. Lord, I made a vow to you that night. I'm going to live for you or die trying. And the Bible says it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. I can tell you that vow kept me. It kept me in line. What was that? That vow was a rock that was speaking. The same way Joshua said, this rock is going to be a witness unto you of the oath that you have made. I can tell you our vows, amen, should be such landmarks in our life that we can look to that gives us strength and encouragement to keep moving on. Not only... Was, did the rock speak in Joshua 24? But also in Joshua chapter number 4, we read, amen, when they had passed over the river Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every man a tribe, and command you them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priests foot, uh, stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you and leave them. In the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. And Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared, the children of Israel out of every man a tribe. And Joshua said, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. According to the number of tribes of the children of Israel. You can skip down to verse number 19. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the rivers of Jordan from before you until you were passed over. 
as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which He dried up from before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that is mighty, that you shall fear the Lord your God forever. You see, Joshua and Joshua 24, there was a rock that spoke of covenant. These rocks in Joshua chapter number 4, they spoke of a testimony. And Joshua said, we're going to get these 12 stones and we're going to erect a monument. Not for your sake, but for future generations. Hallelujah. So that when I'm dead and gone, when the elders of the tribes of Israel that passed over Jordan are dead and gone, those children are going to look to those stones and they're going to ask the question, what means these stones? And those stones are going to preach a message that's going to speak of the deliverance of Almighty God. And they're going to begin to go back, amen, all the way to Joseph in the famine of the land of Egypt. Amen. When God sent Joseph there to sustain his family, they were there for 430 years. And that place of safety became a place of bondage. <coughs> They were beaten. They were whipped. Taskmasters were set, uh, set upon them. But God raised up a man of God by the name of Moses to deliver the children of Israel. And after ten mighty plagues, they walked out of Israel not as bound slaves, but they spoiled the Egyptians of their gold, of their silver, amen, of their riches. And they walked out of Egypt victorious, straight to a Red Sea with the mountains around them, Pharaoh's army behind them, and impossible Red Sea in front of them. God used the rod of Moses to stretch out. The waters departed hither and thither and they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. All those rocks are going to be able to tell the story of the divine providence of Almighty God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. That makes a way of escape when there's mountains of impossibilities beside them. A Pharaoh's army behind them and an impossible, uncrossable Red Sea before him. Amen. But God stepped up and made a way. He led them through the wilderness for 40 years where their clothes never wore out and their shoes never, amen, deteriorated. He kept them and he fed them ravens, or excuse me, quail. Amen. He fed them manna from heaven and sustained them. Oh, hallelujah. Those rocks are going to preach about the goodness of God. Where he pitched those rocks at Gilgal. Gilgal was up on a hill. And it overlooked the river Jordan. So that when those children would ask. What means these stones? They would be able to point right down the hill. To the river Jordan. He said you see that river that's flowing? One day. God made it stand up on a heap. And we walked across. On dry ground. Those rocks told a testimony. Those rocks spoke of the goodness of God. You see, those stones were legacy stones. I looked up that word legacy. And legacy refers to what has been left to someone in a will. What has been given to someone as an inheritance. And you see, when they would look at those stones, they were legacy stones, Brother Jonathan. And it reminded them of the spiritual freedom that God had given them. 
They weren't born, they weren't slaves, but they were freeborn. Amen. Placed in a land of freedom that God had given them. These were living stones. No, they weren't breathing and having blood coursing through their veins, rocks, or inanimate. But the message that they preached was alive. Which is exactly what the Word of God is. Hebrews 4 12, for the Word of God is quick. Powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, piercing even to the divider, dividing asunder of soul and spirit into the joints and the, mar uh, the marrow. That word quick is interpreted living. Oh, I can tell you, folks, the Word of God is alive. Yes. Powerful. Yes. And it is alive. Not only were there legacy stones and living stones, but these were lasting stones. Amen. I don't know exactly where Gilgal is on the map. And there's a lot of different commentaries that say a lot of different things about that particular city. Those rocks may be covered up with grass and dirt and the elements may have faded them a little bit. But those rocks are still there today. Lasting. Hallelujah. Preaching a message of the delivering power, the goodness of Almighty God. Amen. I'm telling you folks, the Word of God is lasting. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word, amen, shall never pass away. Amen. These stones, amen, they're legacy stones, they're living stones, they're lasting stones, and they're preaching a message, not just to us, but to every generation that will come after us. Amen. The same way there should be rocks that are landmarks in our life, the testimonies of what God has done, of how He's brought out, of how He wrought deliverance, amen, of how He brought about redemption and salvation. And sanctification and Holy Ghost baptism. Amen. You ought to tell that story so that future generations may know that God is alive, that He still saves, that He still heals, that He still delivers and sets free. Listen, we need to erect some rocks that'll preach to future generations that Allah is not the way, Buddha is not the way. Oh, hallelujah. Humanism is not the way, but Jesus Christ is the way to be like the woman in John chapter number 4. Come see a man that told me everything I did. Is this not the Christ? The rocks should speak of what God has done in our lives. I've got to go through these quickly. We find in Exodus chapter 17 those same children of Israel before, backtracking a little bit, when they're wandering in the wilderness, came to a place called Rephidim. They began to be thirsty. But there was just one problem. There was no water. I can tell you, when you're hot, you're thirsty, there's nothing better than a cool glass of water. They had plenty of water in Egypt. So the Bible says that some begin to murmur and complain, begin to chide with Moses. Moses is leading two to six million people. Here, one person complain is bad enough. But when two to six million people start complaining, 
I imagine Moses' blood pressure begin to rise a little bit. Lord, what do you want me to do? Notice the Lord didn't lead him to a lake. The Lord didn't lead him to a spring of water. He didn't lead him to a river. God led Moses to a rock. He said, Moses, I want you to take that staff that's in your hand. And I want you to smite the rock. And when you smite the rock, water's going to flow out. And it's going to issue life. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. It's going to issue out life-giving water. And it's not going to be enough to just satisfy one or two. But all two to six million people are going to be sustained by the water that flows through that rock. This is the rock of provision. The rock of provision. Which that we know that that is a foreshadowing of Christ that was to come. Who would be smitten. Amen. And the Bible says that forthwith from him would flow blood and water. Amen. I find that very curious, Brother Daniel. Why did it go to great detail to say water? Amen. Or a blood and water would flow out. It's natural for blood to flow out of man. Amen. I haven't seen too many people bleed and water flow out. Amen. That may be a natural phenomenon. I'm just not aware of it. Amen. But when Christ was on the cross and the spear went into his side, out with issued blood and water. Amen. I believe it was two, uh, uh, for a twofold purpose. Number one, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves us. And we're washed by the water of the word. Amen. In Christ we find salvation. In Christ we find sanctification. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. There's provisions in Christ in the rock for absolutely everything that we need in life. There's going to be times where you and I, to where we go through spiritual barrenness. Amen. There's going to be times where we find ourselves. Amen. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad weeks. You're going to have bad months. You're going to have seasons to where you're going to pray and all of glory is going to come down. But you're going to have prayer meetings where you pray and it seems like your prayers bounce back in front of your face. And it seems like you can't touch heaven. The brass, he's unreachable. Amen, God. Amen, tells us according to Scripture. Amen, that we can go to the rock. Amen, it may be dry. We may be thirsty. Amen, but in those times, Times, uh, the rock speaks to us uh, that there is provision, uh, that there is power. Uh, no matter uh, the spiritual wasteland that this world may be, uh, there is refreshing water that still flows uh, from the rock. Uh, and tonight, uh, He is not limited. Uh, you can go back to the rock. I don't know uh, where that rock was on a map. Uh, amen. I can't get on an airplane and fly to it. Uh, I can't swim across the Atlantic Ocean and walk across the deserts and get there. But no, in the presence of God, there is fullness. Hallelujah. And tonight, we can dine at the master's table. We can step up to the rock, which is Christ, and find life, given sustenance that only He can give. Speaks to provision. Fast forward to the book of 1 Samuel. Chapter number 17. Very familiar passage of Scripture. A boy by the name of David is on an assignment to deliver food to his brothers. 
On the way, he sees a giant that's taunting the children of God. Everybody's scared. David goes to Saul, the captain of the host of God's people. So aren't you going to do something? There was no answer. David said, I'll go. I'll fight the Philistine. David, you're too small. There's no way you can match this champion of Gath. David said, well, one day I was out and a lion came against my father's sheep. And the anointing of God came over me and I slew him with my bare hands. Another time a bear came out. Little old scrawny David, the anointing of God, came upon me. He choked out the bear and he killed it. And he looked at Saul flat-footed and said, This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as those. He said, Well, son, if you're going to go, put on my armor. He gave him the latest, greatest technology that was fit for the king. But David put them off. Amen. He has saved them not to go, took them off. He said, You coming against me with a sword, and I'm going to come against you in the name of the Lord. So David went down, the Bible says, to the brook. And what was it that he picked up? He picked up five smooth stones. The Bible says that that rock was smooth. Now I'm not the smartest man in the world. But rocks generally are not smooth. There has to be an erosion process by the elements. To make that rock smooth. If you go to a creek bed. You're going to find smooth rocks. But it's because the water has been washing over it. For years. And years. And years. Washing away all the rough edges. That erosion process takes place. Hallelujah. And it makes that rock smooth. Water ran over that rock for years. In preparation for the one day. That it would be used to kill a giant. Hey man, I wish I could preach this like I feel it. Slingshotters, if you do, to us, it may seem odd for David to go against Goliath and use a slingshot. But if you study out Israeli warfare, there were entire divisions in the Israeli army of men that slung rocks. Right-handed men would carry the sword in battle with the shield in one hand and the sword in the other. If a man was left-handed, he was trained on a slingshot. So for years, what the way that we would teach men, or fathers would teach their boys how to shoot guns, and men train them up to shoot a 270 and kill a deer. They didn't have that technology in Bible days. But what that father would do to that son is he would train him on the slingshot. And I read one time in commentary, that by the, the time that a, a child was 12 years old, those Israeli fathers had trained their young boys to be so precise with slinging a rock uh, that they could hit a target the size of a dime at 30 yards. I'm not talking about the old Uncle Henry drawback slingshot. I'm talking about the old leather strap and a stone. So when David took that slinging stone, we think that's odd. But David had been training in preparation for the day that he was going to kill a giant. Hallelujah. And he went down to the, to the river. And the Bible says that he picked up five 
smooth stones. Many men possibly had gone to this brook and maybe they had picked up that stone, Brother Daniel, but it just wasn't aerodynamic enough. It just wasn't smooth enough, so they discarded the stone. Amen. Or they picked up one beside the rock. Amen. And I know rocks can't talk and rocks can't think, but if they could, maybe that rock got a little bit lonely. Maybe he said, why am I not being used? Why is it that everybody else around me is being used, but I'm not being used? Oh, amen, I could preach a while right there. Amen, but all of the while, God was using that water from the river to get that stone in the optimal shape and form and size. So when the master slingshot artist went down to the stone, God had all, or went down to the river, God had already sovereignly put the right stone in the right position at just the right size. Oh, hallelujah. That was perfect to fit in the sling of David. Amen. Don't sit around. Amen. With the belly ache and the belly grubs wondering, God, why ain't you using me? God, why is some so-and-so doing this and that? But I, amen, ain't speaking. I ain't preaching. Amen. God is using the water. Amen. To get you ready. And at just the right moment in time, David's going to come by. The Holy Ghost is going to come by. He'll pick you up and God will use you to slay the giant. This rock had been placed there for that moment. David comes by and puts his hand on that rock. Puts it down in his pouch. The Bible says he picked up five. Brother Daniel, he only needed one. I've heard preachers preach, why was it that David picked up five stones? Goliath did have four brothers. He could have picked up a stone for each of them. He said, not only am I going after Goliath, amen, I'm going after them all. I don't know that to be the case, and that's just conjecture. But I do know this. He did reach down in that pouch. He did pick up one rock. He slung it. Put Goliath, put it right there between his, eyebrow, between his eyebrows. Knocked Goliath out. He picked up a sword and cut his head off. That rock speaks to the delivering power of God. That rock speaks that God delivered again. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care what your past is. Amen. God uses a rock. That rock is Christ to provide deliverance. Listen, there is no addiction that can keep you bound with a made-up mind that you're going to touch God and get free. Amen. I don't care what the addiction is. This is too hard for me. You're right, it is too hard for you. But it's not too hard for God. God's got a rock with your addiction's name on it. God's got a rock with your problem on it. God's got a rock with your past on it. God's got a rock with your pain on it. And that rock is speaking that He is well able, amen, to deliver the same way that the giant fell down dead. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is able to set free and deliver. Why? Because we looked at the rock of covenant. We looked at the rock of testimony. We looked at the rock of provision. We've looked at the rock of deliverance. And it all speaks to the supreme rock. 
It all speaks of the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When he said in Matthew 21 verse 42, he said unto them, did you ever read in scriptures the stone which the builders rejected the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. In Ephesians 2, Paul said, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all all the building fitly framed together groweth uh, unto an holy temple uh, in the Lord. Uh, Jesus Christ uh, is the supreme stone. Uh, he is uh, the head of the corner. Uh, and can I tell you something? Uh, while those four other examples that I provided to you, uh, they could not carry on a conversation. Uh, they could not talk. Uh, amen. Even though uh, their appearance did speak to a message, uh, they had no ability to talk. Uh, but thy rock, uh, which is the Lord Jesus, Christ, there was some things he had to say. Amen. Hallelujah. There were some messages that he was able to convey when he said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind. Amen. To set a liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable gear of the Lord and preach he did. With that, he closed the book. Amen. And all of them began to say the Scripture Scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Christ, amen, the greatest preacher to ever wear shoe leather and walk this earth. He spoke. He preached. People were saved. People were delivered. People were healed and set free. Why? Because he was the word of life. I'm talking to you about a rock that preached. Amen. And when he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Those other rocks had no power in and of them own, their own selves. But Jesus Christ, the rock, had all power. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh to the Father but by me. He said in John 15 and 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. And it shall be done. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the works that I do, ye shall do, and greater. Amen. I'm talking to you about the great rock tonight. The great rock that is Christ. There were some things he had to say. I don't know where you are in your week. Your week may be going great. Your week may be going rough. But the rock is speaking tonight. Oh, Hallelujah. Whatever you need, the answer is in Him. Kirsten, if you could come help me, I'm done. In nature. Did you know that God is using rocks to preach right now? Did you know that rocks are preaching to us a great message that's not being preached in many pulpits around the world today? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 24... When the disciples came to him and asked, what shall be the signs of your coming? There were many things that he listed. Nation shall rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Pestilences. Famines. We've been checking a lot of those things off because we're seeing it fulfilled right before our very eyes. 
But there was one indicator that he mentioned in Matthew 24 that sometimes gets overlooked. When he says, there shall be earthquakes in divers places. Started to do some research last night. Very interesting in what I was able to find. And I'd never connected the dots before. But did you know that right now in our earth's makeup and structure, the earth has a core, it's got a mammal, it's got a shell. Do you want to know what makes up the largest portions of the crust, the mantle and the shell? Rocks. Did you know that we have seven continents on the face of the earth? This above ground that's habitable, it's able to sustain life. But they're all on tectonic plates. And you want to know what those tectonic plates are? They're rocks. In 1900, the meteorology, that word meteorological association, Brother Daniel, they began tracking earthquakes. Started began using seismographs and different recordings. And in 1900, there were 50 reported earthquakes all around the world. Did you know that right now today, around our world, on average, there are 55 earthquakes that take place every single day. There are more earthquakes taking place in one day in 2022 than there was in 1900 when they first started keeping a record. Some are so small you'll never feel them. Some are as deep as seven miles underground. Some are under the oceans. Some are like take place in Haiti. Leave 9.0 on the Richter scale and kill thousands. But this world, hallelujah, God is using rocks to preach to this world that Jesus is coming. Fox News won't tell you that. The Weather Channel won't tell you. They'll tell you it's global warming. They'll tell you that it's man-made phenomenon, that it's something wrong with the ozone while they're flying around and politicians on private jets doing the same thing that they're wanting to get on to us about. Tell you it's global warming. No. It, it may be global warming. Because we're headed straight to the battle of Armageddon. And God's going to destroy this thing. Amen. The world's going to be destroyed by fire. That is a true case of global warming. And that's where we're headed. But before that, God's using nature itself, even rocks, Brother Daniel, to speak to us. And the world is missing the message. 55 times a day, God is preaching to us. I'm coming. I'm coming. The same way that Noah hammered on the nail. Time after time after time. People tuned him out. They missed the message of grace that God was giving. There's many people that's missing this message of what the rocks are preaching to us. But the rocks still speak. Jesus still speaking to us. Amen. He said in John 14, Hallelujah. In my Father's house are many mansions. For when I sort of told you, I go away to prepare a place. And if I go away, 
the rock said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. The rock is speaking tonight, Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know what you hear in need of. I don't know what's brought your battery down. I don't know the hell that you're having to face. But on a Wednesday night, the rock is speaking to you. And the rock wants to meet you in this altar to reach down by the power of His Spirit and touch you. Hallelujah. And give you strength and sustenance and provision for the journey. Amen. How many of you will meet me in these altars tonight? You don't have to bury your head in your hands. Amen. You don't have to lay down in misery and pity, but you can reach up tonight to the rock. The rock that never rages. Hallelujah. The rock that will abide forever. The rock that has all power in His hands. And you can touch Him tonight. Hallelujah. And your life can be forever changed by the power in the rock. Hallelujah. Would you come?